Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 5.30 a.m. Central Time. Uh, grains are trading mostly lower here this morning. Joe's out of the office until Monday, so this morning I have met Matt Bennett on with me. We're gonna start off with uh, the USDA reporting some flash sales yesterday. U.S. exporters sold 220,000 metric tons of SRW wheat to China for delivery during the current marketing year, and exporters also sold 265,000 metric tons of soybeans to China for delivery during the current marketing year. When it comes to wheat exports, is this a sign of things to come, Matt? Yeah, we have to hope. I mean, this isn't something that you see, uh, you know, every day. Um, I was kind of surprised to see these, quite frankly. Um, but bottom line for me is that China's buying stuff off of us to begin with. But wheat, that's an interesting one and uh, uh, definitely a good thing. As far as soybeans are concerned, you know, I've just got to hope uh, we figure out a way to uh, move soybeans uh, in, in an efficient manner. I mean, I'm kind of concerned, of course, about this river situation. I hope that we get it figured out soon and Mother Nature turns herself around. But um, this was definitely a good sign. And I think, you know, I guess my thought all along is that China is going to step in and buy some U.S. corn, uh, maybe even more U.S. beans. But you know, it's just one of those things where you don't know for sure exactly where their head's at. So uh, today or yesterday was, in my opinion, a great, uh, great sign of things to come, hopefully. Definitely. So according to David Roche, president of Independent Strategy and a veteran investor, grain prices are going to soar in the coming years. Roche believes wheat prices will increase 13 to 15% in the next two years. Russian volatility in El Nino weather pattern and climate warming will disrupt grain supplies, causing prices to increase. The prediction comes at a time when wheat prices are at their lowest levels since September of 2020. Soybean prices just hit a four-year low and corn prices are trading around three-year lows. Uh, what are your thoughts on this prediction, Matt? Do you agree with it? Well, I mean, after seeing the wheat market plummet the way that it has, saying that we're going to rally back 10 to 15 percent, uh, I, I don't guess that that's a stretch. You know, I mean, um grain prices soaring you know whenever i hear a, a term like that it gives me pause um i guess i get a little frustrated and why i get frustrated is because you know i think a lot of producers have kind of come around to the idea that we've taken these prices down to levels that obviously are nothing like they were for a couple of years and figuring out hey we've got to have to work at this marketing plan just a little bit get a little more creative make our bins pay and whatnot as soon as you hear someone say that grain markets are going to soar, I think people just completely quit selling. Uh, they quit thinking about marketing plans and happy days are here again type thing. So I'm very cautious as to assume uh, or to side with with this guy. You know, I don't know much about him, uh, mm -hmm. but I would say that uh, uh, a bounce back on wheat is certainly possible. I would be interested to read more of the article personally. Uh, you know, whenever I look at corn and beans, I kind of know where I feel like those prices are. And I think uh, looking at South American production, looking at world production that has really increased over the last couple of years for good reason, because we've had high commodity prices. I'm a little bit hesitant to think to uh, side along with what he's saying. 
So uh, we had a job openings report uh, released yesterday and openings increased 690,000 to 9.61 million in August compared to the previous month. The surge in openings was the most in over two years given the rise in openings. Interest rates may stay higher for longer. The tight labor market may also cause the Fed to pursue another rate hike before the end of the year. The labor market, however, continues to become more balanced with only one and a half jobs available for every unemployed person. Back in 2022, there were two jobs available for every unemployed person. So there's been talk of the Fed implementing another hike before the end of the year. Do you think this will push them even closer to implementing a hike? I, you know, I think that people were talking about a, a, a maybe a reduction here not so long ago. That's that's pretty much out the window, I guess. First of all, as far as another hike, yeah, I, I would say that uh, another quarter hike is probably something that they might do, especially with something like this. It's a little bit, um, you know, it's a little daunting. I think that um, you're looking at, um, in my opinion. Inflation is still uh, definitely not on its deathbed by any means. It's still around. And as you throw more interest rate hikes at this thing, I'm getting a little, uh, I would get a little more concerned the more that we talk about more rate hikes to come uh, about the economy, about um, any individual with a fair amount of debt, because uh, I am concerned that uh, we're not going to see any rate reductions for quite some time and, and probably going to see more rate hikes. Right. So you talk about worries over the economy. Uh, the spike in job openings caused the stock market to absolutely tumble on Tuesday. The S&P 500 closed at its lowest level since June 1st. The Dow Jones and the NASDAQ ended the day at their lowest levels since May. Investors worry the Fed will keep rates higher for longer uh, if the labor market remains tight, which that's probably what will happen. Traders are now pricing in a 29% chance that policymakers will hike rates at their no at their November meeting. Just a week ago, traders were pricing in a 16% chance of a rate hike. So on the podcast before, we've talked about how the economy, how we've most likely avoided a recession. Do you feel a recession is creeping back into the pic back into the picture as things with the economy kind of look a little bit more dire? I think it's at least in the discussion. I mean, the thing that, that concerns me, when you look at people pulling money off the table, and that's what that's what this uh, S&P plummet is, people's putting, pulling their money off the table. We saw the same type of thing with commodities last, uh, and, and really everything last Friday, you know, whenever you're talking about this shutdown situation. And so we avoided it, what, for six weeks, or we avoided it for a time being. But uh, you know, you, you look at people and they get a little bit uh, wary, you know, do I want to have my money out there susceptible? And I think there's this thought out there, I guess, in my opinion, that we're one catastrophe away from all hell just breaking loose, you know, and I and mm -hmm. I kind of feel like that's what this S&P situation is. I, I don't know that I've ever talked to as many people for 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 quite some time, if ever that are pulling their money to safe haven, so to speak. And I think it's because of stuff like this, because yes, I mean, if you're going to look at high rates for quite some time, anybody in farm country that's got any age to them will tell you that was like the scariest time of their life. You know, uh, my, my dad, for instance, and a lot of those guys that lived through the eighties, 
you know, fortunately, a lot of them, most of them were able to get through it. But uh, going through 16 and 18 percent interest rates was was obviously a devastating situation. A lot of folks lost their farms over it. I'm not saying we're going to those types of interest rates, but McKenzie, we're borrowing so much freaking money to put a crop out nowadays as a general rule that 9 percent, 10 percent, if we get to that, that type of borrowing uh, to put a crop out is going to wreak havoc on U.S. ag sector. So, yes, I'm concerned about the economy as a whole. I'm concerned about watching investors pull their money off the table. And I'm also concerned about the farm economy if we continue down this path. Yeah, it is a worrisome deal. Um, so a new deal may speed up Ukrainian exports. Under a new agreement, Ukraine will shift some border checks with Poland to Lithuania. Veterinary and sanitary checks, uh, excuse me, veterinary and sanitary checks of Ukrainian agricultural exports destined for global shipping will now take place in Lithuania rather than at the Polish border in order to in order to speed things up at the Polish border. Ukraine is still trying to secure a deal with Poland over import restrictions. Warsaw recently banned Ukrainian food imports to protect its own farmers from an oversupply of goods. So do you think this move will have any kind of impact on the global market? Obviously it might help Ukraine get their uh, exports to the market faster, um, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think for one thing, it's just going to make people feel better about the the flow of, of products and, and grain, if you will, out of Ukraine. Maybe it won't be as disrupted and maybe it won't be as impacted by situations like we've had over the last you know couple of years. And so my my thought all along has been, yes, it's provided excitement and fireworks in the markets whenever we've had issues with Ukraine and Russia, whenever we've had, uh, I guess, fears, again, of like the flow uh, of grain. But the thing is, is that we always knew the grain was there. And so ultimately, to me, it was kind of a flash in the pan type situation. Uh, this is probably going to mitigate that uh, flash in the pan, if you will, or the level of excitement that you might see, you know, if you're having issues in the Black Sea region, you know, if you've got a way to be able to get products to market that aren't going to completely be disrupted, then in my opinion, it's going to basically mitigate the, uh, the craziness that we see anytime we see flare up. So we had another bloodbath of a day for cattle futures on Tuesday, which was, of course, fueled by pessimistic outside markets and worries over persistent inflation. Uh, feeders closed an average of $5.12 lower. Live cattle closed an average of $2.42 lower. Uh, the past week and a half has been pretty rough for the cattle markets. Is this just a correction or have we hit a plateau in your opinion? Well, I took feeders, you know, on Tuesday. And so that's why they were down $5, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Mackenzie, I, I think the last time I was on, we talked a little I, and I basically said, I'm not as bullish as what I've been in a long time. And and I mean, the reason I think is a couple, it's twofold. First of all, you, you watched April just try and try and try to get to $200 and above. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of in my opinion, um, spec and hedge pressure at that level. Just like, hey, you know what? I'm willing to take a short position here. You know, what's the upside at $200 type situation? Then the other thing, of course, is what we just talked about. When the Dow plummets, if you watch, uh, when the Dow plummets, cattle just don't do much of anything but go lower. I mean, what it is, is, is essentially it's consumer sentiment. So, you know, if, if I tell the average consumer, hey, you know what, you're going to have higher rates for quite some time. You better tighten your budget. 
And then, you know, you, you talk to your wife or your husband and say, Hey, you want to go out for uh, for steak on Friday night? It's like, man, I don't know. You know, we just mm -hmm. talked about our budget, you know? And so maybe, maybe we're going to stay in, maybe you cook steak at home and save a little bit of money. Hopefully. I mean, that's one thing that I think we learned with the pandemic is that people that really love cooking steak can do it at home cheaper, you know, but, but they can still enjoy it. But yes, in my opinion, whenever you look at the Dow, when you look at equities and people pulling their money off the table, it's a, it's not bullish cattle by any means. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that cattle are going to completely fall apart because you don't fix the cattle situation overnight. Right. But we were overbought. Let's face it. We've got to be realistic about this thing. And we've enjoyed extremely good prices. My number one fear, it's been my fear for the next, uh, the last few weeks is the person buying feeders. You know, let's, let's just be real about it. You, you're taking serious risk if you're not doing something in the way of risk management. And so buying feeders at, you know, 300 bucks and three and a quarter and, and some of the prices that we've heard people pay, you got to be very cautious in here, you know, because uh, there's no guarantees that we won't see continued market action like this, at least until we get this economy somewhat straightened out. Right. The feeder market has just been off the charts. And as you just mentioned, demand is definitely a concern as the economy uh, continues to struggle. Absolutely. That is all we have for you guys this morning. Have a great day and we will talk to you tomorrow.